Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 120. Um, Whether it's like audacity or stupidity or boldness, however you want to look at it, but I've done a lot where I've just kind of thrown myself into the deep end and sometimes it doesn't pay off. I I have a shattered femur, man. Like that was a time it didn't pay off. I took way too big of a risk, but there are other times where it's changed my life in the most beautiful ways imaginable. Hit it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay. Now from the beginning. Hit it boys. Welcome to the art of awesome. My name is Nick Troutman and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we've got another phenomenal guest um, for our deep dives that we do on our Monday mornings. And today we get to talk to someone that I refer to as the Fresh Prince of Bel Air meets the outdoor industry, Wade Holland, as Wade kind of shares his story of going from a competitive freestyle skier in Montana into reality TV, and then becoming a content creator out of LA while still keeping true to his roots in the outdoor industry, bringing this flair and style that is quite unique for the outdoor industry. And he just, yeah, a lot of authenticity coming from this character. And he is truly a blast in every sense of that word. Fun to be around with, full of laughs, good humor, and also just a very creative soul that uh, I think is bringing a lot of cool freshness into uh, the outdoor industry as a whole, but also just sharing this this creativity as a whole too. So I can't wait to share all of this with you guys on the interview. So let's jump right into it. Here is Wade Holland. Well, first off, Wade, thank you so very much for joining me here on the Art of Awesome podcast. Stoked to be here, man. It's a great day to be alive. I'm talking to uh, another stoked individual on the other side of this camera, Nick Troutman. So anytime I talk with you, I feel like the stoke level just like amplifies, you know? That's awesome. You are you are the self-proclaimed king of Stoke, which uh, which I think is pretty accurate for you. Um, you're like I don't even know what we all describe you as. You're a host, uh, an adventure personality, Instagram celebrity, um, creative master of sorts. Uh, you do all sorts of creative stuff. Uh, you've got your production company and. Um, and you've, you've hosted in these creative campaigns with networks and brands from all over around the world. Uh, and you've also got some really cool original concepts. And I think you've actually, you, uh, you won the GoPro awards and you were also had an Emmy nomination. So that's pretty rad. Congrats on that. First of all, um, 
But we we actually got to meet up um, last summer at the GoPro Mountain Games in person, which was which was a blast. Uh, you got me on your your box of mystery box of Stoke, which was super fun, and we're gonna dive into that a little bit later. Um, but you've you've done all these cool like see, I, you've done a whole bunch of cool stuff. You've done different series. Your Great Indoors uh, series, which was which was huge last year. You've got your Dad Ventures uh, TV show, and you've just done. All sorts of things. You actually won what a you won a reality TV show a couple years back, and and I don't know. So I really <laughs> to, to, digging to, into to, the old school. I like it. Yeah, to kick it off, I want to go even further back and go kind of all the way back to the start. Um, so you grew up in Montana, and you started off as a professional or a competitive freestyle skier. I don't know where people rate the professionalism on that, but you were a competitive freestyle skier. How do you get into, you know, reality TV star, becoming this social media um, creator and celebrity personality, and then building a production company? Like, how does all of that kind of fall into place? So kind of kick it off at the start and, and kind of give us a bit of a rundown of like how that even happens. I like it, man. Going back to the days in Montana. Hell yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I guess to just first start off, you, you hit it on the head, man. I think a lot of times kind of what I do now, uh, it really fuses in this kind of athlete creator, um, with the goal of really getting people stoked on life, but even more like getting them outside to, um, you know, experience the wonders of what outdoor sports are all about. And, and I think over the past 10, 20 years, I've been lucky enough to, um, you know, come from the world of outdoor sports, but also have experiences with um, kind of creative marketing, creative arts, and then being able to fuse those two together uh, into sort of what I do today. And it all does start back in Montana. I grew up in Montana. Uh, I came from a family of very outdoor individuals. My sister was a pro skier. So I had a sister to look up to who was kind of paving the way for me of like, wow, this is even possible. And back then you didn't see a lot of um, kind of extreme female skiers. And she, back in the day, was actually the North American uh, free skiing world champion. So wow. I had a sister who really was just super rad and like such a badass. Um, I looked up to her a lot. And then my, my family in Montana, we were really big into like, when a lot of my friends would be taking uh, vacations to like the beach or Disneyland, my dad would be like, we're retracing the Lewis and Clark trail. So I was like, <laughs> what? Okay, dad, this sounds like a fun adventure. <laughs> so he was like a Uber, uh, frontier history nerd mixed with outdoors. And so we would, uh, literally go deep into the backcountry as a young kid, uh, just kind of retracing these like mountain man tales. Uh, so I was really lucky to fall in love with like the true intense outdoor spirit at a young age. And then having a sister who is such a badass skier, it propelled me to kind of follow those footsteps of, I want to, uh, get further into the world of, uh, extreme or, or at the time freestyle skiing. And I was lucky enough as well to kind of grow up in a time when skiing was, uh, it was like pre-social media. And so, uh, it, it was really just like, it, not only was it pre-social media, but it was also before the sport really took off mainstream with like the park stuff, you know, half pipe, slope style, big air. This was back in the day where it really was like the disciplines of skiing were uh, like alpine slalom racing, uh, Nordic skiing, and then you had freestyle skiing, which were basically just like the 
the dirt bag uh, cowboy rodeo dudes on the hill. So I fell in love with those guys right away because I think I'm just someone who gravitates towards um, people that are bending the rules, breaking the rules, or doing things a little different, I should say. Um, and that was what the freestyle crowd was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, yeah, again, lucky enough to be in the sport of that time because I feel like that's when so much of the true freestyle of the sport happened. You know, I was around when uh, they were just coming out with a twin tip ski. So the 1080 slalom 1080 ski that came out, that was like mind blowing that, wow, you can have like a twin tip and ski backwards. So all this like progress and innovation in the sport was happening. And I, I call it like the golden years of free skiing because so many people were being really creative with their style, with um, like the, the way that they would uh, take a line down the mountain, the way that they would like combine tricks and uh, freestyle skiing embodied so much of that creative, authentic spirit of the sport. And I know for a fact that certainly influenced me probably to like even the dress code I wear today <laughs> of just like really being a free spirit. And, and I, 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 again, I keep saying I'm grateful because it really is a timing thing. Like I just happened to be around at the tail end of that golden year or golden era of skiing. Um, and that again, influenced who I became. I got, uh, very into, yeah, I don't know if I could totally call myself a pro, but I got very competitive, um, competing across the country, um, on the junior national circuit with freestyle skiing. And, uh, naturally in, in that sport, you just destroy your knees because you're just doing bump after bump after bump, yeah. um, through multiple knee surgeries, uh, shattered a femur. I have a titanium mm. rod going from my hip to my knee now. So your body takes a pounding and that was definitely the case, uh, basically from like my high school into early, uh, like I would say like 14 to 21, I just like thrashed my body in the moguls. <laughs> and, uh, I think there was a time where I had to really decide, is this going to be my path? Am I like zoned in on freestyle skiing or is there something else beyond this? And the goal originally was to go to the university of Colorado to ski for them. Jeremy Bloom was, uh, this infamous freestyle skier who also played football for CU Boulder. And he was someone I looked up to. He always skied with this, uh, CU Boulder helmet, uh, on the mogul course. And no That's one, ever, awesome. he was just like, he stood out. He had like a really cool style. Um, ended up meeting him really nice guy. So I was like, man, this is the path. Like I want to be doing that. But after multiple uh, injuries, and then also they took the sport from uh, NCAA, they knocked it down to just like a club sport. So like collegiate skiing, freestyle skiing wasn't even an option. Gotcha. So I really, at that point, made a big pivot and was like, you know what? I, I think I want to get more into uh, getting other people excited about my passion for this and, and trying to spread that, uh, not only just in skiing, but really in the greater outdoor space. And so right in college, I started this concept called the Adventurous 500. And it was pretty early YouTube days. I think it was like year two when YouTube came out. And we started this concept where we went, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, you know, let's go around the state of Colorado. This was like during college. So we were like taking classes, um, but then like kind of going on the road around the state doing this. And we said, let's make a video every single day. And this was definitely before like a lot of nicer cameras. It was, we were shooting this on like um, 
like crappy phones, yeah. uh, really like low entry level DSLR cameras that were like we could only afford. So really scrappy, but we made a video every day for 500 days. Wow. And the idea is we said, let's make a video that's a little zany, a little different, showcasing um, an adventure within Colorado that people might not know about and really just push this online. And at the time, again, you didn't see like it was early in the content space to where there weren't a lot of people doing that. So people were like, why are you doing this? Like, what's <laughs> the reason behind this? And uh, I remember even my college professors at the time were like, you know, what are you because I was going to school in Colorado. Um, I just wasn't skiing. And I, they said, why are you doing this? This is like super silly. It seems kind of jackassy. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I, I see there's more to this. You just let us keep trying this and see what happens. Um, and if anything, it was really my, like, that was my college education right there. More than anything, that was like my internship into the content creating space, the, um, creative arts, if you will, because we taught ourselves to edit, we taught ourselves to shoot, we taught ourselves to kind of host these things on camera. It was he and I for 500 days making all these ridiculous videos, but we got local businesses to sponsor them. And so how we did this is we made a model where we said the day that the business gets their video on of the 500 days, that is the number that they pay us. And so the idea is that I went to a business and said, Hey, day one, this is a dollar. And then I went to another business on day 42, this is $42. And so it was this model that allowed us to, as 22 year old kids to get a lot of content made. We didn't make much money, but we knew that, okay, we can get a business to engage with us. Hey, give me $4. And they said, what? Like, this makes no sense, but they would literally pull up $4 from their wallet and say, <laughs> all right, you seem like a kooky college kid. We'll see whatever happens here. But within a hundred days, we had a hundred videos. We had a hundred businesses that, you know, paid like whatever that day number was. Um, and it created a lot of buzz. It got, uh, it was sort of this early version of um, like virality, um, sticky content marketing. And within about like 200 days, the state of Colorado picked up on it and said, Hey, this is kind of rad. It, this is different. We hear uh, YouTube is becoming a thing. Uh, so we'd love to kind of help sponsor this with you. So the state of Colorado ended up kind of sponsoring a lot of these different adventures we did. And they were, they were a little bit more kind of zany adventures, you know, like some of them were for sure outdoor focus of whitewater rafting to um, climbing to skiing. But a lot of the other ones were let's find kind of unique off the beaten path um, adventures, people, places, things that you might have no idea exist in Colorado. Like we went to an alligator farm in Southern Colorado. Who knows there's an alligator farm there <laughs> I and no we wrestled clue. an alligator for a day. That's you know? amazing. So, <laughs> so the goal really was to, I think, get people to explore their backyard, show that there's way more here than you would ever have an idea about maybe. And then also, um, use the tools that we had at our discretion. We were scrappy college kids. We uh, didn't go to film school. We were just teaching ourselves with these online tutorials and, and really taking a creative spin to some of the like travel content that at the time you would only sell like travel channel. There weren't yeah. these like travel Instagrammers or travel YouTubers. Like we were starting to become that because it was just watching the Anthony Bourdain's or, um, I don't even think Josh Gates was even like the, the, the discovery traveled people you see on TV. They, you know, that, that was like the standard. Um, so that really, I think kicked me off 
into the whole career that I'm doing today. And um, it was exciting because we were doing so much content every day that I think the best way to learn something is like dive into the deep end. And if it's uncomfortable, if you feel out of your element, that's a good thing because that's when the most learning, that's when the most uh, progress and evolution I think happens professionally and personally. So that was really like my internship, my education, um, which I'm you know really grateful for. And then that kicked me into um, a reality show, which you had mentioned. <laughs> and so uh, someone had seen that concept that we were doing and reached out and uh, said, hey, we're doing a spinoff of Survivor. And it's essentially we're going to place people in remote locations around the world and give you 72 hours to see if you can get out and, uh, and, and find a briefcase of cash. <laughs> so they, they placed uh, unique different characters from all over the board. It was on TNT. So they were all about the drama, of course. And so they wanted to get uh, people from all walks of life. So on my team, it was, I think they chose me being like, oh, this is a Montana outdoorsy guy, but he's kind of zany and has a weird personality. Uh, but then they're going to place him or we're going to place him with uh, this uh, high maintenance city slicker woman from Chicago. And then this uh, girl who's, um, you know, like a, I think she was a hair salon. Like she did nail hair and nails. So she had never like really walked off side of a, of a uh, concrete path. And uh, the other teams were all over the board too, man. Like one of the guys on the other team, he actually ended up going on to win the uh, discovery show naked and afraid. So he, uh, yeah, I know, but he was an amazing survivalist. Like he was an ex Navy seal. He knew he was easily the most equipped individual out there, but of course they put him with like uh, a beauty pageant queen from Georgia. So like this girl did not want to be out there, but she wanted to be on TV. So they got casted her to be with this guy all different kinds of people and they wanted to see what would happen. And I think, um, you know, we were, we weren't the most skilled by any means, but I think our team worked uh, together the best. And uh, we, we were able to, you know, just really come together and say, you know, there's no need to fight Baker. Like a lot of teams were fighting. We really weren't doing that. It was like, Hey, let's like focus on uh, working together and, and staying positive through this. And so, they put us uh, in the middle of Fiji, uh, in the interior of the island. And then for 72 hours, uh, you know, it's only 72 hours. So you can kind of do anything in 72 hours. It's not like <laughs> you're there for a month. It's not like naked and afraid where you're just like totally surviving. <clears throat> I think they just wanted to see what would happen if you're a bit out of your element. Um, but it was an exciting show. Uh, definitely, I think, helped get me some exposure on who I was and what I was doing. Uh and yeah, more than anything, it got me excited about sort of that big level production. That was the first time I'd been on more or less, you know, quote unquote, like a Hollywood show. Um, massive production crews, uh, a big endeavor for like, we were over there for a couple of weeks, just kind of learning about some of the plant life, because there's a lot of like fairly poisonous uh, plant and animal life that they're like, yeah, you cannot eat this if you're out there. Um, I did end up eating a tear root and I definitely threw it up, but uh, I didn't get like too sick. I just threw it up right away because I, as you're supposed to boil a tear root, that was totally my fault. I just ate it raw and then I threw it up, but nothing that like killed me or, or put me like seriously ill. Um, one of the women on another team did have to get uh, like out of heat exhaustion, they had to like air back her out and then they brought her back in. So 
There was wow. definitely some like real challenges for sure. And a lot of people ask me that, like, was it just totally reality TV where everything was made up? And it certainly was reality of like how they edited it. They made things seem different than it was, but it was very legitimate where <clears throat> we weren't getting help while we were out there. It was like the people filming us, they couldn't even respond to us unless we needed an emergency. Like if you're like, oh, I don't know what to do, help me. They would just look at you and not say anything because they're like, act like we are not here at all. So it was interesting. You're like, all right, we're really out here trying to do this on our own. Um, but a great experience overall. We ended up, uh, yeah, so we ended up actually winning the show. So that helped a lot too. So uh, it was a great experience kind of seeing that, you know, these two women, we probably wouldn't have as much in common um, except trying to, you know, get out of the jungle first. But in that, in that experience, we were able to find common ground. And I think we worked pretty well together and won the show. So that was exciting. And uh, then that sort of led me onto, I guess, this path that I'm doing now, which is a lot more of, um, you know, I run a production shop here in LA. Um, I have an amazing partner who uh, my, uh, my romantic, my best friend, my partner in life, Abby Wren, who you know as well. Um, she's been literally a game changer for my life because I think once we met, it was the first time I had found someone who gets me, gets my lifestyle, gets uh, what I'm trying to do on this planet. And uh, she, she shares a very similar philosophy. And so we're able to create together. We run this production shop together. Um, and she's, you know, super badass in her own light. She's a makeup artist. So I'm sure we can talk more about that, but yeah, I'm grateful for a lot of the experiences and timing in my life from uh, timing of when I grew up in Montana with freestyle skiing, timing to uh, be involved in the content creation space. Like I just happened to be at that right age when YouTube started coming out, when I said, well, I want to be doing this stuff, but I don't know how to do it. Well, there's a tool that there's a low barrier of entry. I'm just going to start teaching myself how to make these YouTube videos. That was a big timing thing. Um, and then timing of, you know, meeting Abby Wren uh, and then moving out to Los Angeles where we live now. So definitely grateful, my friend, and grateful to be talking to you today. So there's a little bit of a full circle of where we're at today. I, I love that that overview because it really does explain how, you know, a Montana skier gets into gets injured and, and has to kind of take that creativity from freestyle skiing and find a different outlet for it, which is like the introduction to um, YouTube and content creation from there going and just getting like this taste of reality TV and like big production and then being like, Ooh, this is cool and interesting. Maybe here's another outlet for the same creativity. And then just doing that and starting your own um, content creation company in, in LA and stuff. I mean, it's when you look at it from that 30,000 view, it's, it's pretty crazy to think like if you were to just say like, you know, Montana skier, um, from the mountains becomes LA production company. Uh, like you can't connect the dots, but when you really just explain it that way, it, it actually makes perfect sense. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how that all works. And something else that you said several times, um, that I think is, is for me anyway, is a huge proponent in the success that I've seen in life and just not even the success. I, I don't even know if that's the right word, but just something that I find has helped me with everything in life and that's gratitude. And you, you've said that many times of just how grateful you are for, whether it be for Abby, whether it be for opportunity, whether it be for timing. Um, 
and I don't know, I, I, I'm a huge believer that gratitude, the more grateful you are for what you have, I feel like, uh, you know, the universe just gives more to that. And, and I, it, we could again, dive deep into that whole like law of attraction or whatever, but, but either way, I just think that having gratitude is, uh, is an amazing thing to have. And, and just hearing you say that, um, it doesn't shock me to see the success that you've brought in upon yourself. Um, there's, there's one thing that I wanted to, I've got a whole, whole bunch of stuff that I want to talk about, uh, with you today, Wade. One thing that I was amazed when, when I got to meet you in person in Vail, uh, to, just to give the viewers or the listeners, um, a bit of a rundown when we were in Vail, we did this mystery box of Stoke that you've done, which you actually, you also did a mystery box of, of what was it? Um, what was the wrapping one that mystery box of crunk? Is that right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The super See, crunk mystery box. Oh, that's what it was. Super crunk mystery box. So you've done this a couple of different times with, with different genres and stuff and, um, super cool. But what I was most blown away by was just the research that you put into this. And if you guys haven't, you should, I'm going to get Wade to somehow give me the link or, or maybe you just go check it out on your, is it on your Instagram reels or stories or where yeah, is it? Yeah. I'll send you a link, but there's, there's, there's some on YouTube and then there's some on, um, yeah, Instagram reels. I think okay. IGTV is up there. Okay. We'll definitely, we'll, we'll try to put some links in the, in the description below for the podcast, but if not, uh, go check out Wade's Instagram alone. Cause it is one, it's hilarious. And two, uh, there's just some really cool content, but, but the mystery box of Stoke, I was most, uh, amazed by just with the, with the detail work that went into it and, and just the humor and the whole thing was amazing. And so I actually thought that I would, uh, incorporate some of that into the podcast today. And so I was going to do a mystery. I, I don't know how I do it. Mystery podcast of Stoke, maybe we'll call it, but, um, I've got I, love a couple, it. I love it. <laughs> I've got a couple questions for you and we'll see if you can answer them correctly. And then, uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to offer you as a grand prize yet. Uh, maybe, a a, <laughs> a trip together. You're the first some- person in history. <laughs> ever done this this is incredible i've never been on any stoke show of any kind so flipping the mystery box onto me man i'm like super yeah. impressed by this well you're the king of stoke and you really you blew my socks off with some of your questions so i'll, I'll see if i can uh if i can stump you with any of mine um wait do you like food oh of course man yeah me too. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not from Los Angeles. Foodie. There's like amazing food all, everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Question one for you. Um, who do you think is the most famous chef in the world? Mmm. Mmm. Most famous chef in the world. What? Uh, I would say like maybe, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. I'm just going to throw like Wolfgang Puck. Are we talking... Anthony Bourdain, maybe, because I mentioned that earlier with like travel adventure. I don't know. I'm going to say Anthony Bourdain. Okay. Okay. I'm (laughs) depending on how you rate who's the most famous, Anthony Bourdain might be one of them. There's a lot of, I Googled this and there's a lot of different ways that you could rate it. So we'll go with Anthony Bourdain as, uh, as most famous. Um, Gordon Ramsay was another one that came up just as a, as a quick reminder, just in case you were worrying for the next mystery podcast of stoke um but so we'll go with anthony bourdain uh question two of these chefs uh there's one chef that i think is maybe you know equally as famous but but probably less talked about have you heard of chef w 
And if so, <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about him? Amazing. Wow. Wow. Throwing some Chef W in the mix. You're probably the first person on a podcast that's ever mentioned Chef W. That dips back into some early years for sure. Um, I love it, man. I'm, I wonder how you found out about Chef W. Ooh, I wonder what I'm like, I, I haven't, I don't post much about Chef W these days. Uh, that that's like early content era. Um, so, okay. Who Chef W is. So people are like, what are you talking about? Um, Chef W is my alter ego, uh, of a rapper. So I actually used to be in a, uh, kind of a, I'll even dip further back. I used to be in competitive acapella. So in high school and then into college, I actually was a singer. I, uh, which is also sort of a random thing. People are like, what? But, um, yeah, it was like, I was really into as a kid, I was really into sports, but I was also really into music. I, I loved, um, I played multiple instruments. And then as, as I got older, I really got into like choral. So I got into, um, jazz choirs, acapella choirs. And then when I got to the university of Colorado, I actually tried out for the university acapella choir. I got in, um, and then I started competing as well. Since I couldn't really compete with freestyle skiing, I still wanted like a competitive level. Um, and it was nicer on my knees. So I was like, all right, I'll just <laughs> do competitive acapella. <laughs> um, but yeah, I sang for many years and I ended up becoming friends with the beatboxer of, so when you're doing acapella, you have like different, you know, your tenor, your baritone, but then you also have um, like a guy who is beatboxing and became friends with him. And we would just riff around of him beatboxing and me singing. And then I kind of started rapping a little bit. I love hip hop and rap music. And I said, Hey, you know, this is kind of fun. I'll start kind of putting some lyrics in here as well and go with the beat. Ended up meeting um, a few other individuals at the university, a guy in the drum line who became a good friend of mine, um, an, an art, who's now an art director, a kid from the art school is one of my best friends um, today. Like we all came together and formed this hip hop rap group and we all had different aliases and mine was Chef W, probably because I am literally the worst chef on the planet. Like I would say on your list of the most famous best chefs, I'd be like the most famous, like worst chef. Like you never <laughs> want me to come make you food because you're going to be horribly disappointed. So Abby was really disappointed when she was like, oh, are you called Chef W? Because you're like an amazing chef. And I was like, it's literally the opposite of that. And so <laughs> unfortunately, I never learned the, the culinary skills. Um, but people always made fun of me of like, dude, you're the worst in the kitchen like you, you just don't know what you're doing um and then of course like cooking up music cooking up beats it sort of played into that um but yeah chef w like we would we started doing uh shows actually like at the university and then we would do shows in denver eventually uh and we would all it was kind of like we kind of all had our different characters it was almost sort of like village people of like oh there's a person that's dressed like this and a person's like that so it was definitely uh very like silly white boy rap, I would say, because it was like self-deprecating. We would make fun of ourselves. Um, but yeah, I was like a full on chef. Like I'd come on stage with like the chef hat and I would be this like French chef. I'd speak a little French and then I would like have a spatula and I would like cook, literally cook some food and then rap to the audience. <laughs> so, people were just mean. like, what is going on here, man? So That's it amazing. was again, a different era. I don't post as much about the Chef W stuff. You, you, one, you should probably post more about him because I think that's amazing. Uh, two, you, you win our mystery podcast of Stoke. Um, and I love the whole Chef W. So, 
Uh, you, what you win, Wade, is a trip, an adventure uh, with you guys and me. We're gonna, we're gonna go somewhere. I have to. We'll have to line it up exactly where we're gonna go and what we're gonna do. Uh, we'll figure that out offline. But uh, we're gonna go do some rad adventure together. I'm, I'm stoked, and uh, you're the king of Stoke, so it'll be great. Thanks, man. I'm very, I'm, I'm very stoked. Like I, I've been wanting to. We've been talking about doing this for a while. So the fact that I just won this on <laughs> podcast is stoked makes me more pumped because the thing we were talking about even before we got on is like, you know, uh, it's really cool that you, you, I was really flattered when you came up to me and you were like, Hey man, my daughter's really into makeup. And, uh, Abby, my, my partner, she's a professional makeup artist. So you said, you know, I, I, you came to us of like, you know, give us some insights, how, you know, how to approach this. And, um, a was again, just flattered that you, you come to us in that light. And two, really excited because I think it's a unique opportunity to combine adventure sports and a whole different world. And that's something that Abby and I talk a lot about is most of the time, those things don't, um, like mutually exist together. You see like the makeup industry and the outdoor industry are like vastly different, but it's definitely something that we stand strong behind is like, why can't they interject together? Why can't they be like, why can't you be a makeup artist and a rad kayaker? Like those two things should be together. You know, there's no reason. And Abby represents that. Like she kayaking is not in my DNA. That's way more Abby's DNA. When we met, she grew up kayaking a lot of the rivers in Montana. And so she's the one who's kind of gotten me into the water. And I'm like, that's so cool that you have that side of it. But then also you're this extremely creative makeup artist. Um, and so when you came up to us and said that, I was like, this is an amazing opportunity, I think, to really share that message. Um, and for you too, like, I love all the dad venture stuff that you're doing because you're such a role model, obviously, for your kids, but other other dads and kids. And so the fact that your daughter is interested in makeup, I'm like, what a cool opportunity to be like, yeah, we're a kayak family and she loves makeup. Like let's do them together. You know? Yeah. It's uh one we're definitely going to have to get together. And, and my daughter Parker, she'd be stoked for Abby to kind of teach her a little bit about just makeup and all that stuff in general for me, like for the longest point, um, I kind of grew up thinking that like, Oh, like I want to get in the outdoors and get muddy and get dirty. And like, I want my kids to do that. And so I was almost like, kind of like, I don't know, frowning upon the whole like makeup thing, like trying to be like, Oh, like not encouraging it, I guess I would say. And then talking with you and Abby, Abby was the one that first like enlightened me about how she's like, yeah, I grew up, you know, in the mountains of Montana and hunting and fishing would do whatever, like in the, and she's like, and then I was just really into makeup and wanted to do that. And it, that was like the first time where I was like, one, you're totally right. Like these two worlds can enter like, I don't know, blend together. And two, who am I to also tell my kids like what to do or what not to do? And 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 I guess that's kind of like what you're talking about with just these, the blending of these two different worlds of, of kind of like how you grew up in Montana, you now live in LA and also just your like your style alone i, I want to like just mention that for everybody who isn't either watching this definitely like you have to go check out wade's you know instagram or social media or whatever because you've got this like very unique style that one it brings like for me anyway it just it brings stoke it brings humor and it brings like it like a very um 
true authenticity. We're like, it would be one thing if you just like, if if it was like a a character that you dressed up as like once in a while, but like, it's just like every, everything is just like, it's, I don't know. There's this authenticity behind you where it's like, um, it reminds me of almost like a a fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like meets adventure sports. And it's just this really cool, like unique perspective and something when we were in Vail talking about it, like, when I was saying, I was like, man, I love your style because I'm like a huge fan of neon colors. But um, but you were like saying, you're like, yeah, it's weird how how adventure sports almost like is. It's it's almost like pigeonholed itself into like, well, this is what the outdoor sports looks like or this is what the outdoors. It's like, you know, old school in the sense of like we're traditional colors or plaid or or whatever it is where it's like, why isn't it? why aren't there different versions where there are blends of like new age and neons and all this stuff. And just like, why don't we have that mix of that, uh, LA Montana meat. And, and I think that you are that first kind of like personality that's really bringing awareness to that. And, and I'm excited to see where this goes. Cause, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it'll, it'll continue evolving and, uh, and I'm, I'm just stoked to see you kind of push that direction. So thanks for bringing that style to the, to the outdoors and the wilderness. And, and I'm stoked to see how it keeps on growing. Man, thanks for, for that compliment. I super appreciate that. I love the, I'm going to maybe use that, the like fresh Prince of Bel-Air meets the outdoors. Cause I would say that's, that's kind of, I guess, sort of the lane that I'm in. It's like, it's more just like, you know, 80s and 90s colors, um, fun kind of urban uh, styles mixed with, yeah, outdoor adventure sports. Like, I definitely grew up on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. A lot of, like, the original Nickelodeon 90s shows, like, that's so much of kind of, I think, my tone, my voice. It's very playful. It's fun. And I think there needs to, honest to God, yes, be more of that in the outdoors. Like, it, it is sort of a unique thing that I've seen for so long is the outdoors. I love what they represent with um, exploration, um, creative freedom, um, you know, like mental clarity, all the things that you get when you go outside. But I don't like how they've stayed in such like a mono feel and monotone for really like, decades man like if you see how other industries evolve some evolve very fast i would say the outdoor industry is very slow to evolve um and again like i love it because i'm i love the outdoor space because i'm in it but the industry is a very i'd say laggard industry and that is something that i want to see change more because at the end of the day i think why i'm doing like what i'm doing with the outdoor space and trying to get people excited is if I'm going to boil it down, it's to get more people outside to experience the wonders for themselves, but also to care to preserve and conserve this place more, right? Like we're on a planet right now that is dying. So we have to be thinking about what the future is going to look like for your kids, grandkids. And in order to do that, like we have to get more people to care about it. And if the outdoor industry is like, you know, focused on sort of like a one look, a one feel, a one voice, you're obviously not going to expand to the greater population of the earth. And of course that brings in a whole other conversation of like overuse and how do you bring people in appropriately, but beyond, you know, going into the nuances of that, I think just a overall 
approach, which we should be looking at is how do we get more people who didn't grow up doing this stuff, who um, aren't a Canadian dude who grew up with kayaking, isn't a Montana guy who grew up freestyle skiing. Like how do we get people from Los Angeles that have no relationship with the outdoors to number one, start giving a hoot about it. um, And then being able to like put their time and energy to care for it, to conserve it, to, to keep it for many generations down the road. And I think with my content, and my approach to it, it's a, it's a lot of kind of who I am is just like taking it with a more lighthearted approach, bringing some fun flavor, bringing some um, some comedy, bringing some, um, you know, l- flair that you might not see in the outdoor space, but you see in other industries that other people uh, can maybe connect to that component of things, but can't connect to um, sleeping in the wilderness for four days. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I, one, I a hundred percent know what you're saying. And, and two, I couldn't agree more with the statements that you just made that for me, I'm, I'm so on that exact same page where a big reason why, what I try and do a lot of what I try to do is to encourage people to get in the outdoors, because I think the more that we get in the outdoors and realize even if it's just a simple hike in the woods, realize like the, the, the natural beauty that our planet is filled with, whether, and, and it could be the excitement, it could be whatever you're drawn to within the outdoors, because each of us has a different thing that, that we find amazing or that, that we're drawn to within the outdoors. But the more that we're able to go and experience that, the more that we are aware that we are the people that need to take care of the outdoors. And if we don't take care of them, then who will? Like we, we, we just watched um, the Lorax with my kids the other night and it was such a good reminder. And, and my kids were like asking about the like, unless at the end of the movie. And they're like, what does that even mean? And then I'm, there's the quote from Dr. Seuss. Uh, and it goes something along the lines, like, um, how's it go? Unless something, someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing will change. It won't Something. So I'm totally butchering Dr. Seuss right now. But the whole point being that it's up to you to make any changes, and uh, and it's up to us. If we want to take care of the planet, then let's take care of the planet. How is the best way to get the more people to take care of the planet? Get more people excited about the outdoors. Um, and so I love that you're just you're bringing that flair, you're bringing that um, that freshness um, into the outdoors. And, and I absolutely love it. Uh, it, it almost, in a, in a big part, it probably just reminds me of my childhood youth as well of like, I just loving the neons, the backward hat, like all that stuff. And then as I grew up into the outdoors there, it just didn't exist anymore. Like there just wasn't that stuff available. And so, and then, yeah, just through, you know, the, the brands that I had, uh, you know, access to, I just would, you know, wear what I had. Um, but I love that you're just like bringing this whole new view and perspective and yeah, everything about it. It's just this unique authenticity that, uh, that I want you to keep bringing Wade. This is amazing. Thanks brother. I appreciate that, man. I I think it's been helpful for me too. like being in Los Angeles. I would say one of the Um, best decisions I ever made in my career was probably to move out here. And I never would have thought that coming into that decision because coming from, so I was living in Colorado before being out here in LA. 
Um, but Montana and Colorado are pretty similar. Rocky Mountain West, a lot of the same kinds of people, a lot of the same kinds of um, even geographic landscape territory that you're in. Like you're, you're getting um, that very Rocky Mountain, you know, wilderness. Yep. And coming to Los Angeles, uh, like so many of my friends and even my parents were like, oh man, what are you doing? Like you're definitely going to take a hit on your um, outdoor recreation part of life. You're not going to, um, be as active in the outdoors anymore. Like you're going to like Uber city and I am going to be here today and say it like this area where we're at in Los Angeles is one of the most slept on outdoor places that I've ever been to. And that's why I've fallen so in love with it because there's so much outdoor recreation out here that no one ever talks about because people think of Los Angeles of like surf, skate, palm trees, Hollywood, but it's such a massive city that have mountains. Like we're on the, we're over in Pasadena. We're like, we have the San Gabriel mountains. I get better access to mountain biking here than I did living in Denver. And again, people never talk about that just because LA has never maybe branded itself like that, or people just have a one idea of what LA is, but more than just like the outdoor recreation side that I've been like, wow, this exists here. The, the creative influences that I've been able to tap into here has pushed me as like a creator, um, has opened my perspective as an individual. I think really, if anything has, um, pushed me further into what we're talking about here of, oh my God, like, there needs to be more of this, this style, this flavor, different voices um, in the outdoors, because how are we going to get, if the majority of people on the planet are living in cities these days, how are we going to get those people to go into the outdoors and, and care for it, right? Like there's an education side of it too, of like understanding how to not just go leave your trash when you're at a campsite and have someone else pick it up for you. Like understand that, there's a code that you, you, you need to learn to go do this, but also like bring your own style into it. You don't have to conform and look and talk and feel like everyone else that you're seeing in the outdoors. And I think that's really important for the, the big message of like, let's get people around the planet to really start caring about this, because I think that's the only hope we're going to have to maybe like save the planet. Right. If, if people are going to, you know, um, be able to enjoy this stuff for future generations. And yeah, moving to LA helped that a lot, man, because you, I saw a lot of different, met a lot of different people, became friends with a lot of different people um, who don't have my background, don't have my experiences, don't look like me, don't sound like me, um, but are super cool and unique in their own light. And it's like, they're, and I see it out here in LA. It's like people are, pandemic helped with this. People started exploring in their backyard. They're like, well, I got to go on, uh, do something. All the gyms are closed. So I guess I'll go hike these hills that are right over here, or I'll go explore this because LA is uh, outdoor Mecca in a way that a lot of people don't realize. Like funny fact, man, the largest section, I always tell people this because they don't believe it, but Griffith Park, which is uh, right in dead center, Los Angeles, it is the largest section of urban wilderness in all of North America. And wow. that is a fact that I'm like, once you hear that, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So there is like dedicated areas of wilderness right outside of LA. Um, and you know, I just put this up on my Instagram a couple of days ago where Abby and I 
were uh, hiking back to these backcountry hot springs, like right outside of LA. And it's like, who would ever thought that you could just hike back to this like natural hot pots a few miles in the mountains, but within like, you know, an, a 30 minute drive, 45 minute drive, like, oh, I'm, I'm down in Los Angeles. It's just crazy to me that that stuff That's exists so cool. out here. And I, I think LA is, again, it's really just a slept on outdoor space um, because I don't think people are moving, like people are moving to Portland, to Austin, to Denver for outdoor rec, but people aren't moving to LA for that. I just was lucky enough to, again, like timing and grateful to be out in this place. Cause a big move for us to be here was Abby. Like, you know, she's a, um, she's not just, once you see her stuff, you know, but if people are listening to this, <clears throat> you have to see her work to understand, like, she's not just a makeup artist um, doing like glam makeup. Like she's a creative special effects makeup artist on a whole level. So when I saw her talent, I was like, Oh my God, man, like Denver's awesome, but you need to be in Los Angeles. Like we need yeah. to explore this so you can see where you're able to take this. And, and with my background in kind of like hosting and personality content, I was like, you know, LA makes sense for that too. So let's explore it. But little did I know I was in for a very pleasant surprise to come to this area and be like, wow, there's epic mountain biking. There's backcountry hot springs. Like there's a little ski hill called Mountain Baldy at 10,000 feet. That's 45 minutes from our house here in Pasadena. And I, 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 I get blown. My mind's blown by that because when I go skiing there, I'm like, I'm at the top of Mount Baldy looking out to the Pacific ocean, seeing Catalina Island. And I'm skiing like powder here. This is as a Montana dude, like that doesn't register in my brain because coming from Montana, you always thought about Los Angeles as like one thing. It's like, it's city life, it's city slickers, it's Hollywood. Like you're not associating epic outdoors with this market. So for me, I, I changed my perspective completely once I moved out here. Not only my perspective of what LA has to offer with the outdoors, but my even like broadening my perspective of the people within the outdoor space and being like, oh, very cool. Like there's, you know, the, the outdoor people that are, um, or the people that are starting to go in the outdoors, the, the Angelinos that are starting to go in the outdoors, they have vastly different experiences from someone who grew up competitive freestyle skiing in Montana. Um, but those are people that have their own relationship with the outdoors and care just as much about it as I do. So yeah. like, why can't we, promote more of that. Why can't we be saying, let's, let's show, you know, these different styles and, um, and make the outdoors just, you know, overall, like diverse, not, like diverse in all senses, right? Like diverse of, um, the kinds of people, the, the styles, the, um, e even like the, the approach to going and experiencing the outdoors. And so I, I get really excited about it, man, because I think the outdoors are in a time right now where there's like, there's, it's very ripe for a lot of innovation, a lot of new creativity to jump into it. And I think it's a unique time for people like you and me to, um, to be, you know, promoting and, and, and supporting that. And you're such a, a positive light in, in the whole space of it all that um, I know people look up to you to be like, all right, this guy, um, you know, he, he has such a welcoming, encouraging um, energy. Like that is I think the approach that really needs to be pushed right now, because for so long, and I, I see it too, like coming from the more competitive athlete side, it, it really isn't super inclusive in a lot of ways. It is kind of like, Oh, there's a, uh, like a dress code or there's a, 
Um, there's like a club that you have to act a certain way to get into. Yeah, like and I'm just like, factor. nah, man, we're going about it the wrong way. Like it, it's, it, that's a dying mentality. And I, I, I think the future is very bright for the outdoors. If we can start to lean into more of this different perspectives, different looks, feels, people, voices um, yeah. that you see in other industries. Like it's very much the case in other industries. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to keep going off on this, so I won't go too much further, but with, uh, I get inspired by the makeup industry actually with Abby because I see so much kind of innovation and, and just acceptance and welcoming to people um, in the makeup industry. And it's really creative. And I see that and I'm like, man, I think the outdoor industry needs to be taking pages from others books like the makeup industry, who's, you know, super on it. Like their finger is on the pulse of culturally what's happening. And I love it because I'm like, this is so amazing. Like you're getting where culture's going. You're seeing it and you're talking to those people. I think the outdoor industry could benefit so much if they were able to really tap a little bit more into that culture in the broad sense, not just the outdoor culture, but like the overall culture of society. I love that. And and something it's ironic. I just did uh, a branding exercise uh, last week for a company that I, that I partner and work with. Um, and I'm probably, I'm not going to mention names because I probably shouldn't be talking about this, but either way, the whole, the, <laughs> the whole point was, um, that we want to bring inclusivity. And, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about. And I think the irony is, is that that's more than ever what the outdoor industry needs to be promoting most is inclusivity. Um, in the sense that not just, not just different cultures and races and whatever, but just like styles and everything, like, let's just make everybody feel welcome and then we'll, we will increase. And, and again, not just increase to bring more users into the outdoor industry. Cause that's a different, you know, set of things that we could talk about, but more to bring more people out there to help take care of the planet. Like what we've been talking about. And I don't know, I, I feel like we're, we're kind of on the same wavelength and we could, we could kick this conversation till how's that saying go kick kick a dead horse or i, I don't know I, I don't like i don't like using terms talking about dead animals but anyway <laughs> either way i think we're on the same wavelength that uh, that just bringing more inclusivity and in in whatever in whatever way that you see that word uh bringing that into the outdoor industry as a whole was i mean it would just be amazing and, and i think you're uh you're doing a fine job at at starting that off with just uh, your unique style and authenticity. So keep that up, Wade. One thing, yeah, one thing that you've been talking about this this whole show that that I find pretty interesting is um is the is the simple fact that you're like you've tried a whole bunch of different stuff. You've tried you know the competitive athlete. You've tried the 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 you know full on raw young content creator you've tried the reality tv show the production company and it seems a little bit like <clears throat> a combination that you're just you're continually finding new avenues for this creativity that the creativity that just flows within you but it also it's a little bit like you you keep just throwing your creative juices at whatever and seeing what sticks and and just like trying a whole bunch of different stuff um and, and I wonder if that's kind of what you think of as like the secret to success a little bit is like, is be fluid, try different things, try lots of things, be open to change, possibilities, opportunities, all that kind of stuff. Is, is that kind of like, am I correct in seeing that that's where you kind of are, are finding your success so far is just being open to that fluidity? 
Totally, man. I think for me, it's like always moving. It's, you know, I'm sure you can relate with water, man. Like any water that's just sitting and still is going to like get murky and gross. Like water that's flowing is going to be healthy. And I think for me, it's like constantly flowing, constantly moving and pushing myself uh, to be a bit uncomfortable. Like, I think the space that we're in now uh, talking about, you know, just media content in general, it's moving so fast. And I think a lot of times people are like, wow, I can't keep up. And especially people that aren't in like that very young gun, um, 21 to 30 year old age group, right? Like, you know, you start to feel like, oh man, I can't keep up. I can't catch up. I'm not young anymore. But the thing that I stand behind so much is number one, it's a marathon. So we're talking about like, we're, I plan to be doing this for the next multiple decades, like until I'm a hundred or how old I can live. Like I want to constantly be living a life um, that's allowing me to uh, tap into creativity, um, help promote these messages in the outdoors that we've been talking about. And so in order to do that, like as long as I'm continuing to push myself, try new things, um, step out of my comfort zone, like there's no reason for me to compare to a 21 year old who's uh, super big on TikTok and is on the cutting edge of stuff. Well, as long as I'm pushing myself and I'm not staying stagnant of saying, well, uh, I've made YouTube videos when I was a kid. So that's all that I do now. Cause that's what I did when I was 21. Like, no, keep doing that, but explore new things because that's the beauty in the space that we're in <clears throat> is it moves so fast that there's always new opportunities, new doors opening. Um, you know, I can, talk directly about that with Abby this past year is with 2020 in the pandemic, like she shifted her career completely when she leaned into TikTok. Like she wasn't doing that at all. She was doing makeup on other people more at the time in the industry. Industry shut down. She was like, well, there's this thing, TikTok. I'll maybe start playing with it. And we both said like, lean into it, man. Like, I know that you're seeing this as a younger person app and it's seeming like it's just very Gen Z, but like, dude, it's early on. Start playing with it, Abby, see what happens. And like, she started doing her makeup on it and started making them every day, getting better and better at it. And like, she kind of took off on TikTok. And it's like amazing to see that that can happen. And that's going to continue to happen in 2025, in 2030, there's going to be a new app, there's going to be a new thing. And so I think as long as you just continue to push yourself. And for me, um, it, it is challenging. Like, don't get me wrong. It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to stay complacent. And well, this is what I know. This is what I'm really good at. But in the economy of today, I think it's so important to be learning new skills, pushing yourself to, to get uncomfortable. Because like I said, at the beginning of, of our talk here, that's when you see the most growth. That's when you see um, new opportunities and maybe even new skills and interests that you didn't know you even had. Um, so it's a beautiful time that we're alive. I, I think people, again, get caught up in like, it moves too fast. Well, like do it at your own pace. You can go at whatever pace, but as long as you're still pushing yourself, challenging yourself, you're just doing like you're, you're competing with yourself. That's what you're really doing here. So push yeah. yourself and um, yeah. And some things work, some things don't, you know, like, um, the Chef W era was a different era of me that maybe not worked as much as I was hoping would work. But, you know, if, if, if anything, like 
definitely opened up new um, pockets of creativity. I think got me very musically in line that certainly plays into my content today. Uh, and then, yeah, just, I think expanded um, my approach to, to different things and, and taking that into uh, the content I'm making today. So there's always gains to be had with things that don't go the way that you would hope they would go. Uh, and yeah. I think that's super important to see is like, if you're staying stagnant, though, you're not moving, you're staying <clears throat> content, um, you're not going to have any gains because it's just going to be like, as things progress, you will not be able to open any of those new doors and explore um, any of those gains that we're talking about here. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, like an artist, uh, like the artist way, where so many of the famous artists uh, that we think of, uh, Picasso being one of them, um, people think of them as like their end result or what they're famous for, but they don't realize all the like versions that got them to that place. Like Picasso did a lot of different types of art before he be like created his own, you know, I don't even know what it's called. Um, I should know this because I study art sometimes, but uh, his own style of, of, of art. Um, and, and there's just so many different artists that have kind of done that same thing where they try different versions, usually trying to copy other artists style. And then it never really takes off until they keep trying new things until they like stumble upon something that really works for them. Um, and I, I see that a lot in what you're doing. So I, I compliment that a lot, Wade. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really stoked to see how, you know, something, all the different iterations of content that you've done, uh, including uh, Chef W um, has, has accumulated to where you're at now. And, and I think actually you guys are, you're relaunching your um, content creation company under, what is it? Lemon Lab. Is that correct? Am I close on that? Should we not talk about Lemon Lab? You're right on, man. Amazing. <laughs> I like. I don't know how you found that. I don't even know if there's a site yet. I don't know. You you had to talk to Abby or someone because I'm like that's like something that not many people know about. But yeah, exactly. Um, the Lemon Labs concept was really just birth from 2020 of um, kind of making the most out of what you're given. Like if 2020 throws you this, like squeeze everything you can out of it and turn it into lemonade, do what you got to do. And that, that was sort of the, the genesis of the great indoors of, all right, well, we can't go outside and do this stuff. Let's get creative and let's bring it into our house and let's see what that looks like. And I think that approach is something that I stand strongly behind of like, well, there's always a different angle. There's always a way to look at it a little bit differently and whatever life throws at you, um, yeah. Just like, you know, when I starting as a kid, man, I really thought I was going to be like a freestyle skier. I was going to be a pro athlete and that was my path. And then through, yeah, like multiple injuries and, uh, shattering my femur and all these crazy things that I was like, wow, man, I want to walk when I'm 50. Like I got to really think about this. Um, that totally opened up a whole other world. Like I wouldn't be doing this today if I probably didn't have some of those injuries to push me in a whole different direction. And so, there's always, I think, different, um, it's all about perspective, right? Like, um, yeah. seeing it and, you know, finding the positive with it, I think helps a lot. So yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm really excited just for the future because whatever it comes our way, I, I think we're going to be able to take it and give it our own spin. And like you said, like Picasso, you know, taking, uh, seeing what inspires you from other people and spinning it your own way. Um, 
but yeah, I, I love, I love it, man. that. I love that Wade. I wish you guys the absolute best, uh, with, with lemon lab and is it lemon lab or is it plural lemons, lemons lab, lemon lab? I think it's probably lemon lab. Uh, so it's lemon labs and oh, lemon labs. I know, I know, I know. Once he's that we're making, like, we're going to get this like really big, we're going to do a bunch of stuff with it. I'm just like getting these lemons. We'll make a bunch of silly content with lemons, but yeah, man, just like squeezing all, all the juice out of life. Right. And, um, and like the idea like the labs, like the lab, when I said that at first, people were like, Oh, like Labradors, like, do you love labs? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not Labradors. I was like, we're in like a lab, like a chemist mixing things together with like the beakers and yeah, that was in, my you know, chemicals head. that you're putting. Yeah. 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 So yeah, man, that's, uh, that's the future for, or at least the next year for us is really kind of building out, um, lemon labs and, and, uh, putting some really fun with some, some things in the works some series that we're working on right now that I'll be really excited to, to show you and talk with you about too. Of, um, yeah, combining what we've talked about today of like kind of, a, a fresh style in the outdoors and getting other people awesome. excited about it, dude. Awesome, dude. I am very excited. I love what you're talking about, everything on this whole show. I love how you really embody uh, squeezing all of the juice out of life. So so keep that up, uh, Wade. I'm going to move us on to the second part of the show because we've been taking this uh, a little longer than I originally expected. Um, we're going to move on to the fire round. And I'm just going to fire off a couple quick questions that I ask all of our guests. Um Wade, do you have a favorite quote or a quote that you currently live by? Oh, man. Um, there's a lot of good quotes. Um, you catch me totally ill-prepared for this. Oh, my God. I should have had a quote ready for you. Um, I would say there's a quote that essentially goes like, it's basically like a master's at work when he's able to blend work and play and you're not able to distinguish one from another but does it even matter? And it's essentially like, yeah, if you're able to show that you're truly enjoying your craft or not show you're truly enjoying your craft and you're living a life that's full of passion and pursuing something that just makes you happy. Um, but you're doing it for a job that to me is sort of the, the dream and the approach uh, that I've wanted to always do. And I'm lucky to be doing it now because at the end of the day, like, does it matter? Are you working? Are you playing? Uh, and if people can't distinguish between the two, then I think you're doing a, probably a pretty good job of, um, I love that Wade. I I've been told by, uh, many friends and family members that I've never worked a day in my life. And, I agree to some extent where I've definitely spent a lot of days, uh, quote unquote working, but at the same point, uh, I'm playing every day. So I, I totally can relate to that quote and, and, and agree with everything that it's about. Um, and, and I encourage everybody out there to try to find that thing that blends that work and play into one, because, uh, it just makes life so much more enjoyable if you can, if you can do that. Exactly. Way, do you have a favorite book or a current book that you are reading by chance? Yeah, man. Uh, let me pull it out. Where is this guy? Right here, dude. 5 a.m. Club. I'm going ham on 5 a.m. Club. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this book, man. I've really tried to uh, start tweaking my morning routine, my morning schedule. And I think that's been a big game changer for my happiness, um, sort of my overall productivity and success that I find throughout the day. 
I never was someone who would get up really early. Like I was definitely the person who was staying up late and working throughout the night and then sleeping in late. But I've really tried to morph my mornings into getting up very early um, and starting a routine of working out and um, journaling um, and getting like as much mental clarity as I can before tackling the day. And it's paid off dividends, man. Like this book, if you, if, you know, if you haven't read it, dude, you got to read it. Um, I think for some people getting up early, I, a lot of very successful people talk about that, but the 5am club is a great book because it talks, it doesn't just talk about it as like a practitioner of why you should do this, but it has this little story about, um, these people, this artist and this entrepreneur who meet this guru. And it's a really cool story of how this guru kind of like brings them into the, the wonders of getting up early and how it shifts their life. So it's a great book. Um, and again, I, I can't promote that as much of like really pushing yourself to getting up early, hitting in the 5am club. And like, it really changes everything in a sense. Yep. I, I love that book. I read that earlier this year and, um, it, man, we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Fingers crossed. I'm actually supposed to interview Robin Sharma later this week. Uh, so hopefully I'm able to, we're able to pull it off and fit into his schedule. We'll see if it works, but if so, I'll be pretty stoked. But yeah, it's an, it's an amazing book. He's got a really cool way of, uh, of kind of talking about practical life skills in a story form. Have you read any of his other books? He's got another book called the, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. That was his first book. Also a really, really good book. Uh, same story where it's like f uh, story format, but but really uh, a lot of practical life uh, life lessons throughout it. So it's really cool. Um, anyway, he also he came out with a new book called uh, The Heroes, The Everyday Heroes Manifesto. Uh, he just came out with that this year, but that one's different. That's more him talking. Anyway, if you like the story format, check out uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Have you read, uh, just as we're talking on books, because I'm totally geeking out on books. Um, I've got a library behind me, as you can see. I kind of like books. But um, um, have you read the, the Alchemist? Oh, my God, man. I have been meaning to read this book for so freaking long. And I have not read this, so tell me why I know I'm missing out, and I do need to read this book. Okay, I'm I'm probably just gonna I'm gonna ask for your um your address once we're done, and I'm just gonna mail you a copy. Um, it's it's my personal favorite book, and I read it when I was super young. But it's essentially it's written story format as well about this person who's trying to uh, ch kind of chase his life goals, his, his mission in life, and then just it's the journey of how life meanders around, but really all of that meandering takes him to where he wanted to get in the first place. And and then anyway, I, I don't want to ruin the story, but it's very, very well written. Anyway, it's a, it's a phenomenal book. A lot of people love it and, and uh, you know, highly recommended. Um, but yeah, I'll send you a copy and, and um, it's a pretty short read. So it's, it's super good. But, but the, the monk who sold his Ferrari is, is I would say at least on par with uh with the alchemist, both, both phenomenal books. Uh, that's a classic too. Like so yeah. many people still reference, like later in their career, they'll like come back to that book and read it again after they've seen some real big success, they'll come back to it. And like, 
open up new pockets of yep. clarity. It's really, I, I'm like, I need to read this book, man. So many people have referenced it. I actually, I started reading it again last night to my kids as like a, as a nighttime story. Uh, so we're only still like on chapter one. We just started it last night, but, but I, I had this like, I don't know, epiphany the other night where I was like, why don't I just read the alchemist to you guys at nighttime? Cause we started reading uh, Tom Sawyer and I was like, man, this is, this is pretty like, old time, uh, you know, literature. And so I was like, uh, what if, what if like other like books that I really like to read? And so anyway, we started, I'll let you know how it goes, but, um, but the kids are, maybe I can join your kids and you can read to me too. <laughs> I'll just listen in. <laughs> I'll zoom call you every night. We'll just read the book together with the yeah. kids. <laughs> Wade's going to be listening in too, kids. <laughs> All awesome. right. That'd be Thanks daddy, Nick. <laughs> Wait, what might be a recent lesson that you've learned, whether it be through um, failure or success? Um, recent lesson I've learned is um, probably just to not get like to not stop doing what you're doing and um, second guess yourself. There's so many times I feel like especially in this content world that we're living in, it's so easy to start comparing and looking at um, like what other people are doing. And you start to get a little envious of like, oh man, I wish I could be doing that. Or, oh man, like, why can't I be at that level? But like, it's so important to like keep the, not the blinders on per se, but just stay focused in what you're doing. Because I also think once you do that, you start like honing more into kind of like your craft, your, your, your own zone. Um, and it's so easy to, to get off that course. And I, I think one thing that's helped for me, at least with that is like having regular talk. Like I'm really lucky to have Abby in my life because we'll regularly have talks of like, Hey, let's talk about like what you're happy about what you're with what you've been doing or what you're not happy about what with you or can't speak what you're happy about what you're creating and what you're not happy about what you're creating things of improvement and i think little check-ins like that help stay focused on what you're doing and not get distracted by um you know the the digital world and what you see others are doing um, so it's super important for me to just like have someone that I can talk with, um, a, a buddy that I can kind of, uh, get things off my chest, but stay focused on, uh, like my own lane. And, and it's, it's so important. I think again, in today's world where you're just constantly looking and scrolling and like, um, I don't know, I don't know if that's a great lesson, but it's at least something for me that I've, I've seen as like, yeah, man, just you're your own, you're competing against yourself. So focus on yourself, have someone to kind of bounce things back and forth with, but like stay focused on. I love that. There's, there's a whole bunch of lessons within that one, within that statement there. And, and, and I love that, that one, you're competing against yourself, uh, two, to, to stay focused and, and not worry about, um, what other people you know, are doing, but also to have that almost like mastermind of like someone that you can talk to about it and, and just figure out, because I think too, it's, it's super important. Like what you're saying to, to take time to reflect on what's working or what isn't and help redirect if need be, but do it on your own because of your own, you know, passion or because of your own focus instead of maybe because of what somebody else is doing. So I love that. Great advice there, Wade. Um, if today was your last day on earth, 
uh, and everything that you've done. So all of your content, all of your videos, everything that you've created was to go with you. And all that you're left is a piece of paper and a pen that you could write down three truths, three things that you believe to be true that you could pass on to your friends, your family, the next generation. What might those three truths be? Three truths about myself or three truths about how I view the world? All encompassing, whether it be about yourself, whether it be uh, your experiences, whether it be how you see the world, anything that you would just, if you could only leave three things, um, three pieces of advice maybe uh, for the next generations or those friends or families or loved ones, uh, what might those three truths be? Number one, Tell the people in your life you love them. Don't be afraid to express yourself. Let them know how you, how you feel about them. Um, I want people down the road when I'm off this planet um, or they're off this planet, I want them to know that I, they meant a lot to me. Um, I love them. And I think as men, so often uh, it's not encouraged to share your feelings, talk about what you're really thinking. Tell a, a, a male friend, hey, dude, I love you. You're amazing. You don't hear that enough. So number one, tell people how you really feel and tell them to show them you love them. Uh, number two, get outside. That's it, period. Go outside. That is something that it's obvious for you and me, but for people, again, that um, aren't familiar with that world or don't have a relationship there, like, you need to just go outside and just start like, hear the birds, uh, walking grass, uh, then go take a hike in the mountains, like start a relationship there. <clears throat> um, and then number three, do something every day that makes you uncomfortable. I think it's important every single day to try something a little bit different. Um, take a small risk, not don't to go big, but, um, you know, whether it's reaching out to someone that you don't know and you want to collaborate with them, reaching out to a girl or a guy that you're interested in and you're saying, Ooh, I just, I don't know if I should do, no, do it. Just reach out. Um, I don't know how to get on a bike, Tr meet some, try to find a way to do that, right? Like do something that you know is out of your comfort zone. Uh, I've, I've done a lot in my life. I think because I, um, whether it's like audacity or stupidity or boldness, however you want to look at it, but I've done a lot where I've just kind of thrown myself into the deep end. And sometimes it doesn't pay off. I, I have a shattered femur, man. Like that was a time it didn't pay off. I took way too big of a risk, but there are other times where it's changed my life in the most beautiful ways imaginable. Meeting Abby, was one of those. Like I literally just reached out to her randomly. We didn't know each other. We're both from Montana, but we didn't know each other in Montana. She was going to makeup school in, Can in Vancouver up in, uh, up in your neck of the woods. Well, I don't know. You're not from Vancouver. You're from where? Uh, Ottawa, Ottawa Valley. So other side of the country, but I still know of Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. You're Canadian. You're Canadian. So she was going to school in Vancouver. I was doing a project in Victoria and I just reached out to her because I saw her artwork online, said, you're amazing. And it says you're from Montana. Wow. Uh, would you be open for me coming to meet you? Uh, long story short, I like literally couldn't find a way to get over there. 
And the only, because the ferry wasn't running, the little, the prop plane that they could take, that was booked that day. So I literally had my camera with me and there was a helicopter company. And I said, hey, I can't afford to get on your helicopter, but I have my camera. If I make you a quick social media video, like a 30 second video, will you let me get on your helicopter? And they were like, wow, this is crazy, but sure, just jump on jumped on the helicopter, came over. And that's literally the first day that I met Abby. And it was like me just saying, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm definitely uncomfortable because I'm asking these people, like, can I make them a video to get on their helicopter? It felt kind of weird, but Hey man, like it literally was the reason why I was able to meet Abby change my life. I might not be out here in Los Angeles. If actually I know I wouldn't be out here in Los Angeles if I didn't meet Abby. So it was those moments of like, push yourself a little bit. Like, again, like it, just, just a little bit, give yourself something every day, um, to get out of your, to get out of your routine, get out of your comfort, because that's, again, when I think you see the most, uh, progress and evolution as a person. And, um, yeah, I think it's something that we all can do. Like the, no matter what stage you're at in life, you can always be trying to, you know, get yourself, uh, to a new level and, and yeah, just try to open up some new areas. I absolutely love that Wade. I love all of this advice, everything that you've been sharing. I feel like, uh, we're very much two peas in a pod and, and on very similar wavelengths, uh, thoroughly enjoy our time together. And I can't wait to, uh, to get back together on some adventure somewhere. I'm pretty excited. Cause I'm, I'm sure you will, you will fill it with uh, with humor and good times. And yeah, so again, thank you for your time. Something that I always try to do with all my guests on this show, Wade, is um, is I try to offer as much, um, as much value as I can provide for my guests. So is there anything currently that you're working on or that you're focusing on that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my listeners? Oh man, I'll have to think about that. I appreciate that. Again, I'm, I'm like ill-equipped for some of these questions. I'm like, <laughs> what do I say to Nick on this thing? Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, the series that you were on at Mountain Games, Mystery Box of Stoke, um, I am going to be doing a bigger push with that coming up here in the next couple months and especially into 2022. I think it's a big thing that I want to be doing with um, – just more people in general, athletes, people in the outdoor industry, people maybe outdoor outside of the outdoor industry, but really just kind of bringing that stoke mixed with getting people outside into a literal cardboard box and, and seeing where we can take it. So that's the big push on my end. Um, if there's people or things that you think would be beneficial to connect me to with, I would, regarding that concept, would certainly love that. Um, and yeah, just promote to your listeners, uh, the box of Stoke it's come in 2022. Awesome. The, the mystery box of Stoke was definitely, uh, it was a blast to be a part of, and even just like following through some of your content and, and watching, uh, some of the other interviews. Um, it, it just, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love everything about it and I would, I would love to help promote it, but also I'll, I'll see if I can give you some recommendations on, uh, people or, or just different things to, to do with it. And, um, yeah, very much uh, excited to, to continue helping out in any way that I can Wade. Um, for all of those people out there that maybe have, you know, listened to this, that, 
that weren't introduced to you in the past uh, that would love to follow along with your rad style, your unique authenticity? What might be the best way for people to follow along your journey, maybe? Definitely. Just go on social media and you'll see most of my stuff there. Um, it's all under just Wade Holland. Um, so somehow I was able just to get the clean handle back in the day, just Wade Holland. So uh, a lot of my stuff is on Instagram. So you'll see a lot on Instagram. Um, you go on TikTok. Um, even if you just type in like Wade Holland Media, uh, you'll see some of the work I've done uh, on the on my website there. But yeah, Instagram, I would say is where I'm constantly updating and even i'm putting more up on tiktok now um but if you just type yeah wade holland in on any of the social media platforms you'll probably see what i've been doing and if you're ever in la whoever you are listening feel free to reach out and say what's up because i always love meeting people in person i think that's uh something that's so important like you got to have real in like meeting you nick in person was so great man like the connection is so real and i i, I vibe so much off of that um, you know, in real life energy. So if you're ever in LA, you, Nick, of course, if you're in LA, we need to talk, but any of your listeners, like I'm always open to meet new people. So feel free to send me a message online, hit me up, DM me and, um, show you some of the rad stuff out here in LA. Awesome. There you guys have it. Uh, hit up Wade at Wade Holland on Instagram. Definitely check him out online. He's got some amazing content and I couldn't recommend him. Uh, any any higher so yeah i just i love everything that you're about wade and and keep it up final question of the day for you is what is your definition of awesome definition of awesome is doing what you're most passionate about and positively impacting other people in the process of doing that i absolutely love that and that is a fantastic definition of awesome, something that uh, I will continually work on and something that I think that you're doing a phenomenal job at. So keep it up, Wade. For all of our listeners out there, I hope you guys got some value out of this. Wade dropped some serious nuggets of gold and knowledge bombs. And uh, I just, I love everything that he's about promoting that authenticity, um, being yourself, being inclusive, and kind of drumming to your own beats. So uh, for anybody out there that did get value out of this, please, if you guys could share this out with just one person, whether it be uh, a family member, a friend, or throw it up on your social media, that would be greatly appreciated as what I'm trying to do is just trying to help build our community around this whole thing together. And that's the best way that you guys could help me out with that. Um, again, I got a ton of value. So thank you so very much, Wade. And as always, I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.